Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is TV worth talking about. I'm Catherine, by the way. I'm 47. I'm divorced. I live with my sister, who's a recovering heroin addict. I have two grown-up children, one dead, one who doesn't speak to me, and a grandson. Shrine Podcasts presents Happy Valley. Hello and welcome to Shrine Podcasts, a telephone call with the cast of Happy Valley. I'm Brendan. I'm Han. And I'm Rebecca. <laughs> Sorry, I said my name really weird. I'm really kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm like this because I can't stop saying Wi-Fi telephone. Sorry, it's Rebecca here as well. Hello. <laughs> sorry, is this part? Yeah, sorry, I was just updating it as we're going. What do you mean you can't keep up? <laughs> <laughs> literally just slicing. <laughs> literally words disappear and it's like a teleprompter on crack here in front of me. This is your behind the scenes look at all things Happy Valley. In this episode... You're going to hear from the actors who played Anne Gallagher, Catherine's on-off ex-husband Richard, the criminal chemist Faisal and Catherine's son Daniel. Up first, we caught up with Daniel himself, the lovely Carl Davies. Shrine Podcasts presents Happy Valley. Our next guest is best known for playing the son of Queen Catherine. It is Daniel Kaywood. Carl Davies, thank you so much for speaking with us on Shrine Podcasts. How are you? It's my pleasure. Yeah, very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thrilled to Absolutely be here. Absolutely thrilled. We've just been having a, having a riveting conversation about what we're all having for dinner off mic, so it's going great. <laughs> um, Carl, we promise we will talk about Happy Valley, but first we do have a little investigation of our own to complete. Brendan, would you like to explain? Uh, yes, I will. Carl, apologies if this gets weird, but we will move on as quick as we can. Sure. Uh, so we were all in... Uh, England for the weekend of the Happy Valley finale. We were on BBC Breakfast on I Saturday believe morning. so. I've, I've even seen a clip. Yeah, you're, well, you're, you're all over. You're you blowing up. It. Oh my God, <laughs> um, a million. We were then in London for the weekend and I flew back to Dublin from London on the Monday. Mm. Now, my version of events is uh, the train that I was on pulled up at Gatwick Airport I was, yep. I was stood at the train doors to get off the train, yes. standing on the platform, right at the doors that were about to open, was you. This sounds correct. <laughs> oh my Is it God. Correct? This sounds correct. I was having a nightmare to get home. I think I'd, I think maybe had I just done, I think I'd been on another show whilst you guys were on BBC. I think I was on Lorraine. I think it was okay. the same day. And I was coming back uh, and the trains were all up the wall. Was yours okay? Was yours running? Mine was fine. I had a lovely morning on the train. 
Yeah. No, I, I had a nightmare. Um, and yes, I was stood. Uh, was I holding like a clothes rail? We're, this was my next thing. So first of all, I was like, oh God, it's car. And then I was like, I was like, do I say something? Do I not say something? Anyway, I chickened out. And something. then in my in my memory of it, I was like, I swear he had a clothes horse. Did you? <laughs> I did have a clothes horse. Yeah. <laughs> this wasn't it wasn't my clothes horse either. This gets even weirder. I had a, a random lady's clothes horse who was on my train that got cancelled, but she had a little dog with her. And she was struggling to carry all those stuff. So I said, would you like me to help you with that? And it turns out we were both going in the same direction. So I ended up carrying this electric clothes horse for about an hour and a half. I, I was up platforms at Gatwick. I was down. I was on another train. We had to change again to get to where we were going. It was a whole thing. But the reason I offered is because she got a phone call and it played Glory, Glory, Man United. And I thought, okay, I've got to, I've got okay. to help this lady. So that, Carl, was- I mean, that woman talk about. I just want to know: Did that woman whose clothes horse you were carrying all over London know that you were part of the biggest show on the BBC that had had its massive finale the night before? No idea. No, she wasn't. No, not at all. No. And also, I also didn't realise that I was still. I still had like they powdered me for Lorraine. So I got back home, <laughs> and my wife went, "You are coated in makeup. What is what's going on?" And I was like, "Oh, I didn't. I didn't use a wet wipe after I'd been on." So not only did she not know anything but i was also just some guy helping her covered in makeup um so yeah she she could have had a lot of questions but asked me nothing (laughs) but none talk about uh you know smack back to reality after you know the being in the biggest tv show on the bbc and then having train trouble and carrying a heated uh someone else's heated clothes horse yeah it wasn't I mean, even look, for, her, man it was of for the people, Carl. so uh, there you go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a man of the people uh, well thanks for clearing that up uh back but i wish, happy, I, I, wish I had now. seen you brendan though that would have been that would have been nice if i'd seen you that now, Carl, nice. when i tell you when i tell you we were literally nose to nose there was just the glass separating us and then i was like will i will i will i oh what if it's not i won't and then i just we brushed shoulders. You got on the train with uh, clothes horse and I got on my flight. Uh, it did I'm sound sorry, like I'm a complete we lie. Brendan was like, guys, I've just got on <laughs> off the train at Gatwick and Daniel Kaywood was standing there with a clothes horse. We were like, okay, Brendan. <laughs> and it was absolutely packed. I can't tell you how busy it was there. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Uh, oh, well. well, that's amazing. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not mental. Um, <laughs> Carl, Back to Happy Valley. Can you take us back to the start? Um, do you remember getting the call to say that you'd got the job? Um, yes, I do. Um, I, I remember getting the call to say that I'd got an audition for the job, if you want to go all the way back. Um, oh, yes, please. Because I'd, I'd, I was filming something up in Scotland and I'd heard about this show that people were already buzzing about. Um, and I knew that Siobhan had been cast because I'd worked with Siobhan previously. Um and then I got a call from my agent saying, we've got your meeting for this show. And I thought, oh, this is the one that people have been talking about already. That isn't even a thing yet. Um, so I was absolutely chuffed to be seen for it in the first place and then had to do a tape because I was away. I couldn't get into the meeting. So I had to tape my audition for it. And I taped and got cast off of the tape. Um, so I didn't even meet anyone before starting the show, um, which was quite surreal. Yeah, and your so, yeah, it was a long time ago a, now. 
Your character had a really interesting arc, particularly with Anne Gallagher, Charlie Murphy's character. We spoke to her earlier on. You went from not knowing each other at all to being friends to being in a relationship at the end of it. So what was it like working opposite an amazing actor like Charlie? Oh, she was fantastic. Um, She is fantastic. She's wonderful in everything I see her in. Um, So I was chuffed uh, in the second series when we started getting closer and we had a little bit to do in that. Um, I was thrilled. Yeah, and she's an absolute pleasure to work with and and so busy all the time, which is fantastic. Um, But yeah, she was great. And that whole story, I, I mean, I was married with a kid on the way in the first series. So yeah, it's been quite a journey. Um. Yeah, and you were in the room. Together. You were in the room as well. Well, I presume you were in the room for that incredible delivery of Anne Gallagher's speech to Ryan in the second last yeah. episode. What was that like? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, we knew it was going to be a powerful scene. Um, I mean, Sally's dialogue is is always flawless, and yeah, in the hands of Charlie, I just knew that that was going to be an incredible scene. Um, and yeah, luckily Reese and I just got to sort of take it all in while she worked her magic um and yeah and fergus captured it all beautifully and yeah i think it came together really really nicely yeah um, it was a brilliant it's a nice way to kind of round out that 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 story um arc i guess yeah yeah and also that yeah. scene between yourself and reese connor uh daniel and ryan that was incredible after as well it was really emotional that whole episode um do you think your character and Anne? live happily ever after i'd like to think so but there's still a lot of stuff that would need to be worked through i think for both of them (laughs) psychologically emotionally uh yeah i think there's a lot of hurdles still to overcome um for there to be any sort of happy ever after i mean the stuff she's gone through um as a character is yeah uh, terrifying and yeah and i think it was it was kind of a, a nice arc for me obviously because it was you know Becky my sister in the story that Tommy Lee Royce had been so horrible to in the first place um I think then for Daniel it's also some sort of um I don't know some sort of um, what am I trying to say like it's a nice um rounding off of the fact that he's able to help someone that's been damaged by Tommy Lee Royce. Um, I would hope, I'd hope that's how it panned out anyway. Um, rather than, yeah, with what happened to his sister still lingering in his mind. Um, but yeah, they'd have a lot of stuff to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Carl, did you watch the final episode of happy Valley along with everyone else? Or did you get the option to, to, to watch it beforehand? Or did you know what happened before it went out live? No, I I did know. I did know because I chatted to Sarah (laughs) and, uh, yeah. And, and Fergus and yeah, I, I, I knew what was coming up, even though I did get the redacted script, um, which was quite surreal just to see scene headings and nothing else. Um, that was quite, quite weird. I've not had that before. Uh, but I actually watched it because I was doing, um, Lorraine the next morning. I actually watched it in a hotel room on my own. So I went and had a bite to eat and then wow. I didn't have a clothes horse with me at this point. So it, yeah, it was a bit more relaxed, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just was hanging out in a little room on my own and then, you know, spoke to my wife and went to sleep and that was it. Got up at six in the morning or wherever it was. Yeah. So I watched it with everyone else. I hadn't seen anything. 
You had as a character such emotional scenes in this series in particular. I think we've seen a lot of anger from Daniel in the past, but these were really emotional, crying scenes. How did you channel that and how did you bring that to the front, particularly that scene in the car with Ryan? I think we were all blown away by that. Um, I think yeah, a lot of a lot of the stuff I've had to do throughout from series one, even you know, I had a huge argument with with um, Sarah, um, with my my mum Catherine, obviously in, in series one, and Sally's always kind of wrote him as you know, um, with his emotion right at the front of of, of who he is, and I think um, yeah, thankfully that carried on, and in terms of kind of getting there in a performance point of view it's really not a challenge when you've got Sally's dialogue behind it. Um, cause you know, everything that's gone before, um, in terms of, of what's happened to this character and this person. And yeah, thankfully it's all on the page. So she makes it very, very clear and very simple and very easy to connect to. Um, so yeah, I, I would say I'm not really working that hard. I'm just, uh, just delivering what Sally's given me. <laughs> Um, the honest answer. Carl, did you did you film any scenes as Daniel that didn't make the cut? Like, were there any scenes that were meant to feature in the finale? Because obviously you you weren't in the final episode. Um, and I think, you know, we understand why that wasn't the case because of it probably needed to be that showdown between uh, Sarah Lancashire and James Norton. But were there any scenes that were meant to be in there? Was there like a family scene at the end of you guys all sitting around the table or anything like that that didn't make the cut? There was there was talk of I think at one point there was talk of a sort of um, like a farewell party um, for Sarah, uh, for Catherine, um, but I don't. We never shot anything. We never shot any of it. But there was talk of of that being a scene. Um, but again, I don't know the ins and outs because, like I say, we never shot that. We never never saw the script for that. Uh, and there was a part of the the scene with Reese that I had in the car where I'm trying to tell him that it's not, you know, it's not his fault and things that was, there was a precursor to that, which was a driving bit. Um, but again, just time wise, uh, yeah, things that have to get cut and what people wanted to see was in that final episode certainly was, uh, you know, the two main characters going head to head, um, which yeah, hopefully they delivered on in spades. So um, speaking of obviously working with Reese. What what was it like? What was the difference in, I guess, when you'd previously worked with them and then coming back so many years later to to kind of work opposite him? What was what was that whole experience like and, and kind of seeing him grown up? Yeah. Well the main difference was about three foot in height, I think. Um I, I mean he must have been about eight, I think, when we did the first series. So yeah, it was it was a huge change. And I'd been in touch with him at various points. Um kind of over the years, you know, he always used to send me a message when he broke his arm skateboarding or something. Um, so yeah, we Aww. kept in touch and I'd seen bits, you know, I'd seen bits of him and um, every Christmas usually we'd, we'd do a little message to each other or something. Um, but in the first series, I was being horrible to him. Or the, you know, the character Daniel was being awful to him. And that was really tricky because he's such a nice lad. And I was trying to, you know, make sure he understood that, you know, I loved him. I just, it was Daniel that was being horrible to him. And I think he got it, but yeah, I always, always feared that, you know, he think I was a horrible person. And then luckily in the second series, it all 
he came around that I was looking after him and we had lots to do in that. So yeah, since, since then we've been sort of uh, good friends, but yeah, it was great seeing him as a, as a sort of big lad, you know, uh, uh, and he said uh, the first day we were about, well, the night before we were about to shoot our first stuff together again, he was like, we'll see you down in the bar. And I was like, are you, are you, oh yeah, I guess you can go in the bar now. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll see you down in the bar. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so yeah, that was odd seeing uh, seeing this, you know, big man all of a sudden. It was great. And Carl, what was the, can you remember, what was the last scene that you shot? What was your final day like? And was it really mad walking away from Daniel and the K-Woods after 10 years? Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a crazy feeling. Um, yeah, my last, my last scene that I shot was actually the scene with George Costigan, um, where Nevison Gallagher comes round just to see how Anne's doing. Uh, and again, it was, that turned into quite an emotional scene. It didn't quite read like that on the script but yeah it became became such uh, and that was my last day shooting and um sally was actually directing that scene so it was kind of nice that my final scene was with with sally um and with george and charlie being there as well that was yeah it was a nice way to finish um but being back at all in this series i was just you know i was grateful to to be there because it'd been so long um yeah, that it had always been hanging over us, but it was really nice that, that that first day back was actually Ryan's birthday scene that we did, which was in episode one. So that was like, I don't know, 10 of the kind of characters that had been there, you know, season one, two, yeah, three, everyone felt right through. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was probably my favorite day ever on a set, um, just because it felt like we'd had a long weekend and we were back and it had actually been seven years. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Amazing. Um, Carl, we'd love to know, Happy Valley aside, obviously we know how amazing it is. Um, is there a dream role for you outside of Happy Valley? Or maybe there's a series uh, that you love to watch that you're like, I want a part in that. Um, yeah, good question. Um, I love working. I love being on a set, any set. Um, that's when I'm at my happiest, when I'm actually filming. So I'd, I'd, I'd love to be in these shows that sort of do, you know, nine months of the year with three months off and 24 episodes or whatever, these big sort of shows, just because I love working uh, and I'd work every day if I could. Um, so yeah, something something on, on those lines, on that scale, I think would be would be great. I, I, I wouldn't say there's a specific show right now. Okay, um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm loving lots of stuff. In fact, I watched, um, I don't know if you will have seen it, Daisy May Cooper's new show called Am I Being Unreasonable um, on, on BBC. No, I think it'll be, you know, on the iPlayer or various catch-ups, whatever. Um, that's, that's incredible. It's one of the best pieces of writing I've seen in a long time. It was really, really good. Um, so if they're doing a second series of that, then... Yes, please, Daisy May. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm available. I love that. Put that out to the universe. Um, yeah. Carl, is there anything that you're working on at the moment that you are able to tell us about? Uh, I've just finished shooting on um, the fourth series of The Bay, um, which is an ITV crime, yeah. police crime thing. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've, we've finished shooting uh, just before Christmas. So hopefully that'll be on at some point in the next month or two. Um, 
And then I also I also shot a bit, a couple of episodes for The Nevers, um, which is a HBO series, uh, which James Norton's in, actually, um, among many others. Um, but yeah, I think that's still got to get a broadcast date yet. So I don't know when that's coming out, but it's it's in the can somewhere. So fingers crossed that'll be out soon. Yeah. Amazing. We'll keep an eye out for that one and season four of The Bay. Carl Davies, we loved watching you as Daniel in Happy Valley. And thank you so much for talking to us on Shrine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Shrine Podcasts presents Happy Valley. Our next guest is a star of stage and screen, appearing in some of our favourite shows, including Ugly Betty, The Missing, Gentleman Jack, and loads more. We have loved watching him portray Richard Kaywood since the beginning of Happy Valley. Derek Riddell, welcome to Shrine Podcasts. How are you? I'm very well, thanks very much. Thank you for inviting me on. Oh, Derek, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, as Rev said there, you've been in Happy Valley from the very start. Yeah. If we can ask you this, what three words would you use to describe your entire Happy Valley experience? A one-off. I think I'll be very lucky to ever be involved in a program that, you know, just grabs the nation the way this program has. And scripts like that just don't come along very often. You know, uh, uh, not just not just my part, just the whole the whole thing to su- sustain that quality over three series is a very very difficult thing. And um, yeah, I'll be a very lucky man if I ever if I'm ever involved in a program like that again. I think it was phenomenal. Um, Richard wasn't in the final episode. Did you? Yeah, no, he wasn't. How did you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, obviously, obviously, as an actor, you, you're kind of a bit disappointed. And there was a part of me going, oh, I wonder what's going to happen to him. Is he going to kind of ride in to the rescue at the end and all that? But I think, as as you've kind of noted yourselves in some of your podcasts, uh, there were more important issues to be dealt with than, than you know, Richard's interview with Darius Knesevich, <laughs> you know, <laughs> talking about the one-way system in Bolton that you might, in, in Bradford, that you might introduce. You know, I don't think anybody wants to see that. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, obviously, obviously, I was disappointed not to be in it, but uh, I still enjoyed it like everybody else watching it. And I, as I say, I think there was far more important things to be dealt yeah. with than uh, than Richard and and uh, Catherine's storyline. So did you didn't and shoot? Derek, how did it? Sorry, I was going to say you didn't shoot any go, other go, no, scenes. Like there wasn't a scene of Richard being at the very end. That's what we were really intrigued about. Was there this scene of the family all together again that was filmed that didn't make it? it no, there wasn't. What the what? I mean, the stuff that obviously I can see now. I think uh, so. In um, you know, because people are going, oh, do you think Richard and Catherine will get back together again, or that kind of thing? There was actually, you know, how they have these kind of friends with benefit scenes or post-coital kind yeah. of stuff. We so after an episode, whatever the episode is that I made my big apology to to Catherine, there was a there was a world in which she said at the end of it, "Do you want to move back in?" <gasps> and then there was a and then there was a post coital scene where we're going. Do you think it will work? And we're like, not sure. So I think we can probably say that Richard and Catherine just remained pals. Really, I don't, and I think I can understand why that scene wasn't. And I mean, sometimes it's just due to uh, time limits. Sometimes it's due to, you know, editorial decisions and stuff. And I think that would have 
Well, in a way, I suppose that would have negated the kind of idea of was Catherine going to make it to the Himalayas or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I can totally understand that it wasn't in there. And also I think that, and the reasons for it, and I agree with the reasons for it not being in there. But, um, yeah, it was quite a nice little scene, those ones of us just gazing up at the ceiling, you know, a throwback to episode one, yeah. wasn't it, of the first series, yeah. I think, yeah, when she was talking about, you know, grinding his scrotum into the dirt or whatever with the heel of her shoe. So, um, yeah, so I think, I mean, I don't think Richard, I don't know how much longer Richard and Ross will last, but, I, you know, I think Richard and Catherine would probably just stay best friends, really. I think she's moved on. <clears throat> but there you go. Yeah, I really like the idea that they're going to stay friends. I liked that Richard was just in her kitchen randomly at one point throughout the last season. I think he was cooking and she just walked in and he, you were already there. And I like yeah. that they just got this closeness. Yeah. And of course, you know, had that scene that I'm talking about being in, then that maybe would have made a bit more sense as to why Richard's there. But Again, I think he was still just there, just popping in now because they were friends, even if that scene had been in, you know, because um, I don't think they resolved that issue of whether it would actually work if they if they moved back in together again. And that scene, Derek, that you were talking about that was caught, was that due to be in the very last episode? Did you ever get the script for the last episode or were you cut off just before and did you have to oh, no, find no, out? That's, that, scene, that scene was in episode, uh, was it three? Of the final series, when Richard goes to apologise for not being there for Catherine after you know, um, you know, it's the big scene uh, between the two of them, yeah. and he apologises for being a bit of a coward. So that that followed on after that. So the the last episode, um, I sort of like everybody else. I think I saw, you know, I saw episode six, um, and, but all the final scenes were redacted, like everybody said. So obviously, I had an idea that. Uh, <laughs> there was going to be a bit of a showdown between the, James and uh, Sarah, uh, but I didn't know exactly how it was going to pan out. Uh, and I could have found out, but I decided, no, I'll just leave it and watch like everybody else so on the night. So you found out with everybody else on Sunday night? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Wow. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, so it's, last Sunday was kind of mental, really, just the, uh, the anticipation for the whole evening. And I think <clears throat> I was listening to you talking about going back and watching it a second time, which is what I actually did as well, because I think, I don't know, I think it's because you have so much in your mind that you think is going to happen and you're waiting to see what happens that you don't really take in everything that is happening. That's it. And I think particularly in that final scene with James and Sarah, I, I would recommend to anybody who, you know, particularly people that feel, oh, you know, maybe, you know, they, they were, they, all the fireworks weren't there and that to go back and analyse that scene again and watch it again because I think it requires a second viewing to get the most out of it. What was it like having to, I mean, obviously you're saying you tuned in on Sunday along with the rest of us to find out the exact ending, but you obviously did know uh, a lot about what had happened during the final series of um, Happy Valley. What was it like having that in your brain, having to keep it a secret? Was it all NDAs and, uh, you know, trying to avoid eye contact with the people in Tesco? Uh, it wasn't actually, it wasn't too bad, really. I can, the NDAs, I don't, I think we just all kind of, because sometimes that's really heavy on programmes and even before you go into audition for things and you're signing, you know, three NDAs before you go in, you haven't even got the part, you know. Um, but I don't really remember that for Happy Valley. I think it was just sort of assumed that, you know, you're not going to blab the ending because we knew that 
people had waited a long time for this series to arrive, you know, and the anticipation for it. And, um, and again, that thing, precisely why BBC quite rightly put it out one week at a time, because there's no way you would have been able to, you know, for people not find out. I, I feel sorry, actually, for people in, say, America and stuff like that that are waiting to see it, for them trying to avoid spoilers till May. Well, sort of good luck with that. You know, it's... Uh, it's not, it's not easy. Yeah, one a week is just magical, especially for a show this good, because we just got to wait and dissect it and savour every every bit of it. We're, we're so sad it's over, to be honest with you. What are we going to talk about? Yeah, I know. it was. Um, it, I, I was a bit, you know, not so much when the programme was on, but during the day I found myself just kind of getting quite sentimental about it all and, you know, I'd thinking about all the things that had happened in my life during the course, you know, the past, whatever it was, nine or ten years uh, since I was last on it. And, uh, yeah, I got quite emotional just thinking about it all, really. Yeah, I'd imagine so. And uh, not seeing not seeing Sarah's character again because it's such a fantastic character. Um, do you think that Richard got to finish his article for The Guardian and got his name on the front page? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know if it would have been a front page article. I think it, you know it might have been on about page eight or nine or something. I, um, it, what would he have done? He, he would have probably try to get some kind of you know kudos from it, uh, even after Darius had gone down. I don't think he would have got his interview, but maybe he would have tried. You know, he was always ambitious in his journalism, and maybe that was a bit of his. You know. Why people are like, oh, he's a bit of, or, well, I think you described him as an Egypt last week, didn't you, for the first time? But I'm actually very sorry. Very <laughs> sorry. Uh, There's a thing that we <laughs> don't you know what I mean? Like, like you say, like the, the men, that their, their kind of ego and their ambition is quite often their downfall in this programme. Do you and agree like, with like, that? Um, is, is that how you played Richard? And do you think that's maybe why that sort of, that meeting that he went to with Darius leaving Ryan on his own when I personally think Ryan should have been supervised by someone other than Ross. Do you think that's why he, he wasn't included in the last episode and maybe categorised with these idiot men? Yeah, because in the last series, I mean, it wasn't specified in the series. Like He wasn't really doing journalism full-time at this point. He was working for an HR company, if I remember rightly, or, you know, working in HR, sorry. And um, so this was a big opportunity for him just to, you know, I think Richard's been frustrated with his life since day one of episode one of series one. You know, things have not, you know, since he got sacked and just want to prove himself as a journalist. And I think that overrides a lot of the stuff. But, yeah, I don't think it was the smartest thing leaving him with Rose. But I think, you know, He'd warned her to keep an eye on him and not hit the bottle too much. Like, you know, I think he could have thought she's she's smart enough to do that just just for this, you know, one night. As I've told her what's going on, that Tommy's on the run. You know, well, um, Derek, you had a lot of two handers, a lot of scenes with Sarah Lancashire. Um, yeah, what is it like acting opposite her? Well, I mean, what, what haven't people said already about it? it's it's amazing experience, really. And because I wasn't in the second series, I'd forgotten a bit of how good she actually was, you know, and um, doing the scenes where it just makes it really easy as an actor because she's so, like I've, I've quoted and said, I've said it a few times, I think she's the best actor I've ever worked with, right? And um, I've worked with, you know, fortunately quite a, a few good, really good people. And uh, But she is just on a, another level just as, she just seems to be incapable of being untruthful. 
you know, there's no vanity, there's no, it's just complete character and in the moment. And as they told us at drama school, you know, the secret to acting is listening or the secret to acting is reacting. And when you've got Sarah in front of you, that's not a difficult thing to do. You just listen to what she's saying and you will react with what she's giving you. So it, uh, it and, and, and consequently, it really ups your game as well. It makes you look look better uh, because she's so good. It's the same as, you know, sports people playing with good people makes you better than, you know, brings you up to their level sometimes. And um, yeah, she's fantastic, really fantastic. And Derek, do you remember when you got the call to say that you were going back for season three? Like, how long ago did that happen? What was the well, run up to that like? It was a very interesting how I found out it was in uh, series three, actually. Because I was filming Gentleman Jack with Fergus O'Brien was directing the last block of that. And so it was around about ugh, a year back in whenever, November, December. And I was just, we were just having a chat in one of the, the trailers and he went oh i'll be seeing you in the new year because you're in happy valley again i went am i oh that's great that's how i found no out that I was in. <laughs> uh, he knew you know he knew before i did and uh, so i thought oh that's good i've got some work for the new year then and so i finished up with jack working with him and the i suppose it was november something like that i think and then just started back uh, you know and saw him again in the january um so that's how I found out, and I was delighted, you know, to to be in it, because uh, obviously I was a wee bit disappointed not to be in the second. But um, when I think back to the first series, I I remember thinking at the time, well, they shouldn't make any more of those. They should just leave that first series as it is, because you can't get any better than that. Um, and then Sally somehow managed to, you know, equal it in the second series, and then do what she did in this series. Um, it was incredible, really. Derek, can you choose a favourite season of Happy Valley? You know, it's, it's difficult because also I need to remind myself because I didn't go back and watch all of them before the third series came on, although I think I am going to do it now. Just to, It's one of the few programmes that I can actually watch myself in anyway, so I might go and do it. And I, and I don't think I can, actually, because I, I, I'd have to have seen them all. Yeah, recently because yeah. I think there's just in every series such just I don't know it's incredible some just jaw dropping moments in every series like you know the end of series two where Sarah's got um, Susan Lynch in her arms and arresting her at the same time it's just extraordinary and yeah the scene and I mean it's amazing I can just remember all these images and 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 for example in series one episode. Or is it? Yeah, it was the first episode that Sally directed when Sarah's sliding down the side of the car after she's been beaten up and then it just cuts to the credits and there's no music. And um, I remember watching that at the time going, wow, that's that's really hard-hitting and special. And so series-wise, no, I don't. I, I, it'd be very difficult for me to... I think they all have their different tones. You know, the, the, the yeah. final one here is very much about how the, the 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 larger family is involved with it, how the impact that it's had on all of them rather than just on Sarah's character. And I think that comes in a lot more in the final series as opposed to certainly as opposed to the first one. I can't really remember but the second one as much. Um and Derek when oh, you sorry, came huh? back sorry Rob when you came back after the the gap that you'd taken between season one and season three, you had obviously worked closely with Ryan 
in season three, but you worked with him when he was a young child back in season <laughs> yeah. one. Your character yeah. didn't like him at the time. It was a really interesting turn of events. Did you keep in touch? Were you like, who is this tall man when he Look, walked back I onto had, set? I, yeah. I hadn't seen him at all. And actually, I mean, I'm trying to think back to season one. So we wouldn't, I mean, Richard came round a bit by the end, didn't he, to... to um, Kick a football. Right. And um, yeah, so the football, that's right, the Man City, so they didn't check stuff, I just remembered, yeah. And um, so we hadn't really had that many scenes together in that first one because Richard was just not interested. Um but yes, then I think the first time I saw Reese was we had a we had to do a, a read through. We did a read through of all six episodes over Zoom uh, one day, and so you know everybody was was there, and I think that's the first time I'd seen him facially since then. But then of course, <laughs> of course, we went and on the day, and the first scene I had back was the one when we were all around the dinner table in episode one with all the family. Uh, and of course, that was the first time I'd stood beside him, and he was just towering over me. You know, being a being a typical Scottish male, we're not renowned for our stature, and um, <laughs> so he was just towering over me, and I was like, "Wow, God!" So yeah, it was a bit weird because it'd been whatever it'd been, yeah, nine eight, nine years, something like that. Oh my gosh, it must yeah, have been I, quite emotional, I, fascinating. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, I mean, that, that day was really, right, I'll tell you all, it was really quite interesting. So one was the fact that we were all around the table and it just felt like I hadn't been away. It was just incredible. But also... Uh, I think you'll like this. So when I was 20 and I was just about to go to drama school, uh, there was a production of Blood Brothers on at the King's Theatre in Glasgow. And I loved it. And I went to see it about three times when it was on <laughs> at, at, uh, at the theatre. And I wrote to the main actor in it saying, I'm just about to start drama school. Um, can you give me any advice? Because I thought he was so great. Can you give me any advice? And he wrote back to me. The days of writing letters, do you remember those? He wrote back to me and said... Um, well, do you want to meet up for a coffee in between the shows on Saturday? So I did. Uh, and so that actor was Con O'Neill, 
So when we were doing that scene around the dinner table, that was 35 years later from when I'd written to him. Oh, my God. And we were in a scene scene together. Oh, my God. And so I told that story around the dinner table. And uh, it was the character Mickey and Blood Brothers that Con played. And, uh, And he said, well, we were all around the table and Con said, well, I just copied everything he did pointed at George Costigan because George was the original Mickey in Blood Brothers. Oh my God. And then and then and then Sarah went, Oh yeah, and of course Con, I was in Blood Brothers with you in the West End when it was and I was like, I didn't know you were in that. So it was um that was really it was really nice that day for me and lots of different levels of being back and <laughs> 35 years later doing a scene with Con. And definitely no shoes um, on the table. Oh, yeah. Yes. No shoes on the table. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so that was a, it was a lovely day and a lovely way to be back. And um, yeah, it was great having us all in that, in that, that being my first scene. And it just felt like I hadn't been away. You're really like a family. And it, you know, it's quite, it's quite, because yeah. <laughs> it's quite small, that kitchen, you know, when you're all in there, it's pretty yeah, um, snug, shall we say. Uh, yeah. So that was my first day back and it was, yeah, it was kind of emotional on many, many ways. When the series finished, obviously you had lovely moments on set with each other and you were catching up on old times. But when you finished filming, mm. did you all go out together like for a meal or was there a rap party or anything like that? There wasn't. It's kind of that's yeah, there wasn't because we were all finishing at different times, really. And I think. I'm trying to think back now because the whole COVID thing was still sort of knocking about and those those things aren't quite, or at that time, weren't quite as common as they used to be and, and stuff like that. So I, I can't even remember if they did have a rap party because it's quite, a, you know, it's a, it's a hard shoot for a well, for Sarah particularly. And, um, and yeah, I do. We all just finished at different times. I think there was... You know, there was a kind of bit of a celebration on Sarah's last day on set, uh, which I wasn't there for. Uh, and I think that was very emotional for her and a lot of people. Um, but uh, no, I don't think there was. Well, I certainly wasn't at a big official. Oh, we finished. You know, I got my, I think you've seen this, the the candles that Sarah had produced. Uh, that I see that they're now selling in the shop for charity, which is really lovely. I don't know oh, if you've man. seen that. Uh, somebody put it. It's on. It's on social media now. The people that make it, the the place in Hebden Bridge, have are going to run them again, and the, all the sales will go to this. I think it's a Ukrainian uh, charity that oh, Sally and Sarah wanted the the money to go that she did an auction for. So uh, yeah, I got got that as my present at the end. Uh, but that was that was it. You know, um, there wasn't any big big celebrations. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek, you obviously have uh, an extremely impressive CV. Uh, is there, though, a show, a series for you that you would love to get stuck into as an actor? Mm. That's, a, that's an interesting question. Oh, is there is there a role that you've always wanted to play or a series that you'd love to join? Uh, I think not so much. I think... Richard's not one of them. I've played quite a lot of bad guys, right? And I kind of, I'd like to play more nice guys, really. Uh, and last year I did, after Happy Valley, I went on and did a couple of uh, detective chief inspectors. I think I'm in that kind of age bracket now of playing uh, cops. Uh, so I've done a couple of those last year. And so I just kind of, I'd like to do very, very naturalistic type 
dramas, you know, that documentary style shooting, maybe a kind of um, investigative journal, like, you know, journalist in a war-torn region or something like that, or somebody really quite damaged that I could really get my teeth into, really emotionally uh, challenging uh, and kind of bearing your soul type of thing. That's I'd quite like to do something like that soon. Okay. And uh, is uh, are you able to tell us what, what's coming up next or coming up soon for you? Uh, yeah, I can tell. I've because they've released. I've done a couple. I've got a few things coming out. Um, I just finished in December a series called Payback, which is a six-parter for ITV with um, Marvin Christie and Peter Mullen uh, from Jade Mercurio's production company. Um, although he didn't write it, but it's his production company uh, for ITV. Uh, and a series called Bodies, which is an eight-parter for Netflix, which is based on a graphic novel. So it's a kind of, um, I don't know if you would call it sci-fi now. So it's based on a graphic novel that was done quite a while back, and so it's set in four different time frames. It's set in Victorian times, 1945, 2023, and 2053. Um, and it's about a detective in each of these, not me, but four detectives, uh, detective in each of these time periods discovering the same body in the same place. Uh, so this is also Stephen Graham. There's a huge cast. It's Stephen Graham's in it. And is it Shira Haas? Did you watch that series? Unorthodox, uh, about the uh, the Hasidic Jewish girl that tries to escape the thing. So she's in it as well. So it's that and Crime, which is the Irvin Welsh adaptation of his novel, which was on which was on Brickbox. The first series was on Brickbox about a year ago, and we just done the second series. And I think they're going to put both of them on ITV uh, this summer. So it was quite a busy year. I can't complain. It was um, it was lovely. Um, so yeah, that's what I've got coming up. Uh, uh, that's to come on. What's coming up this year? I have no idea. Um, uh, we shall see. It's early in the year, and uh, nothing planned as yet. They sound like three great shows. I mean, sign us up. We'll be yeah, keeping an eye yeah, out I mean, those. yeah, I mean, yeah, they do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see them. Crime, um, I've seen because that was out on Britbox, as I said, so it's great. The script's really good. And uh, Payback's got a fab cast. Um, so we'll see. You know how that, you never know how things are going to pan out. We'll just see. Um, whether there'll be the hype as Happy Valley, I'll be um, not sure. <laughs> but, uh, you must yeah. be getting recognised everywhere. Payback. You never know. You never True. know. Are you getting recognised constantly? Bodies. Yeah, I have no idea when they when they're going to come out. I think crime has been the summer. Payback probably been the summer. Bodies might be before that. Uh, but yeah, great we'll, stuff. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and again, it was, um, you know, Bodies, I'd just finished in Happy Valley, came back down to London, then the week later I was back up in the Leeds area again because that was all filmed around there as well. Um, you just can't get enough of Northern, Northern England by the yeah, sound of it. Exactly. Derek, thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with us about Happy Valley and all the incredible shows that you've been working on and all the behind the scenes. We've really appreciated um, you, you taking out the time and we've loved watching you on screen in Happy Valley for the last 10 years. I know, I know. It was, I, can I say, it wasn't very nice when they put the recap on before the first episode <laughs> because when you see yourself nine years younger, you're like, oh, thanks, <laughs> thanks guys. Could we not just skip that bit? Um, <laughs> Derek, no, thank you so much. You. Thank you so much for coming uh, on Shrine Podcast. Shrine Podcasts presents Happy Valley. 
We are absolutely thrilled to be joined by the man who played Happy Valley's criminal chemist turned killer with a new air of cool Amit Shah, aka Faisal. Thank you so much for talking to us on Shrine. How are you this morning? I'm okay. I've had my breakfast. I had some uh, crunchy nut cornflakes and a tea. Lovely. Have you all had breakfast? That's a breakfast of yeah, champions. Is that what, um, no, I've rolled. Is that what Colin Farrell is a fan I've rolled of? out of the bed personally. Is I'm that sorry. What Colin Farrell is a fan of. Is that his serial that he gave a shout out to recently? Yeah, he. I think he. Yes, he said something like uh, he got very angry about it because someone stole his crunchy nut cornflakes. I believe. <laughs> yeah, Barry Kogan. Oh, yeah. the passionate man. Yeah. Well, if it's good yeah. enough for Colin Farrell, it's good enough for you. Um, let's go back to the start for a moment. Were you a fan of Happy Valley before starring in the show? Oh, no, I knew you'd ask me this question. OK, full disclosure, uh, I'd heard of the show, uh, but I had never got round to watching an episode. And uh, I hate myself for it, so uh, please hate me too. Um, <laughs> but basically, no, I hadn't seen it. And uh, I'd seen some of Sally's other stuff, uh, Last Tango, um, maybe some of the Braithwaite's, but... Um, I'd never got round to watching Happy Valley. And when the script came through from my agent, um, I read it and I thought it was brilliant, but I was completely intimidated by it. Um, there was so much dialogue uh, for these scenes. And I said to my agent, I don't think I can do this. I've never really done a Yorkshire accent. Uh, this character is incredibly complex um i don't know if i can do this and i said no and so she called well she'd sent an email initially so then she called me and she said have you seen the show and i said no i haven't seen the show and she said go home watch an episode uh, it's on iplayer go and watch an episode so i went home I followed her instructions and I watched an episode. Uh, I didn't call her back. I didn't email her back. I continued with the series and then I think it must have been 3am or I don't know what time I finished. I, I completely, I completed series one and two and I was totally hooked and I was swearing at myself. Why didn't I watch this before? What an idiot. You're an idiot. And, um, so I looked at the scenes, uh, I, th there were quite a few scenes, so I asked if I could only tape for two because I had something going on at the time. So I taped for two of the scenes and uh, then somehow they asked to see me in person. I was uh, travelled up to Leeds and I met the team, the producers, um, one of the directors, Sally wasn't there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, but I'm sure she saw all the taped scenes uh, from that day. And then maybe it was, well, in fact, after the, the screen test, I called my agent. I said, no, that went badly. It went really badly. I forgot all my lines. Um, I was incredibly nervous like I am now. And it, it's not going to happen. I'm really sorry. You've put a lot of work into setting this up. I, I apologise. And then a week later, I'd, I'd forgotten about it a little bit. I, I thought to myself, it's not going to happen. Just move on. It was 
close to Christmas time, I thought, okay, what's going to, hopefully something will come up in the new year. And I was in Norwich uh, with my partner and we were looking for a Christmas tree for her parents' house, because they live in Norwich. And um, I don't know, we, we'd stopped in a boots or some <laughs> some pharmacy, <laughs> uh, ironically. Uh, and uh, I got a call from my agent. I said, oh, I'll, I'll just step outside and I'll take this. And um, I was, she seemed very cheery on the phone. And I thought, oh, what's happened here? And I then remembered the Happy Valley audition. And she said, it's an offer. My partner came out, she saw me you know, I turned white, you know, she thought I'd seen a ghost and I, I just like fist, <laughs> fist pumped the air or something. I don't know what I did, <laughs> but it was very embarrassing. And then she came up to me and she knew she had to be quiet because I was still talking to my agent and we started jumping up and down in, in the square oh. and it was oh, very that's odd. Lovely. Oh, that's amazing. I know. That's amazing. It's one of those moments that I'll never forget. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to skip now from that gorgeous moment of you finding out you got the role to you bludgeoning Joanna to death with a rolling oh, pin. <laughs> um, so if you could just channel that energy for a moment. And um, what we really want to know is, what was Faisal thinking during that scene? Do you think it was planned? Do you think he was always going to do it? Was it a crime of opportunity? What was going through your head when you were playing Faisal in that moment? I don't think it was planned. <clears throat> I have listened to one of your podcasts and um, <clears throat> previous episodes and I think there was a theory that there was a moment in the kitchen <clears throat> before they go into the garage sorry let me just clear the throat in my the frog in my throat <clears throat> sorry it wasn't planned I don't think because well I, I listened to one of your uh, previous episodes uh, on your podcast and uh, I think someone had a theory that when we were in the kitchen or the characters were in the kitchen before they go into the garage there's a look on Faisal's face um, that translates to maybe if I get rid of Joanna, I don't need to get rid of Rob and that will solve all my problems. I don't, th I mean, I wasn't playing that. Um, I, I think he gets to this point where he's extremely, um, ex extremely, uh, anxious and um and being squeezed and he's being backed into a corner he's got various things on his mind he's got the uh what are we calling them the 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 thugs or the boyos, the boyos. <laughs> boyos. And then uh he's getting pressure from them that's always in the back of his mind um joanna's threatening him in a weird way um, she's been, well, later on he finds out that she's been lying to him. So she's piling on this pressure. And I think um, he, he just gets to a point where he can't deal with the pressure and he needs to find a way out. And the way Sally's written these scenes is beautiful. Um, she piles on pressure, um, you know, as we move through the scene and it just builds and builds and builds and uh, you have to look at it from a human perspective and he snaps because he needs to find a way out and um, that's what I was playing and 
you know, you know when a, an argument escalates and I was watching it back yesterday, in fact, and it's beautiful how um, Sally's written it because, you know, I make an impression or I, I make fun of Joanna and she comes back with, and she swears at me and it, it becomes very tense and then she shoves me back into the, the, the kitchen worktop um, and my hand finds itself near a rolling pin and I think he just sees it's red mist. He, he just completely loses it um, because it's built to that point. And, um, yeah, he does something that's very regrettable, I guess. Is that how we can describe it? Yeah. Yeah, it was like, it was such a gear change, that whole scene. And then, like, how your did character... You how did you all... F I was going to ask, sorry, how, how did you all feel when that happened? Did you... Uh, did you predict that that was going to happen? Because I was watching with my partner and she was getting more and more anxious. And when it finally happened, she screamed out loud and and like she'd had some kind of fit. Um, it, it was very uh, unnerving for her, I guess. Yeah, it must be so weird for your partner to see you murder someone yeah. on screen. Obviously, you're acting and you're not <laughs> Faisal, yeah. But that must be so unusual. I think we probably all agree that as that scene was building, we felt like it was going mm -hmm. in a certain direction and we felt like right. Joanna um, was probably going to be attacked. But I honestly, until we saw the next episode, I really did not think that she was going to die. No. That's what's the bit that actually shocked me. Right. Uh, you, you mean the moment that Rob finds her in this suitcase? Yeah, I, I just, I had this hope that she had gotten away or there was some sort of twist um, and that she was going to be maybe able to, to get Faisal and Rob done for what they did to her. But I suppose um, hmm. it was fitting that the way that it happened and the fact that you both went down in the end. Yeah. That's so interesting because, um, yeah, th there are so many theories um, that came out um, after episode three and you know that maybe uh she did survive and maybe faisal didn't inject her and um you know uh, different versions of that so um it's really interesting to see how people um were really talking about it and look your your podcast is called the Shrine Podcast. It's real. It really shows how people almost worshipped this show, um, and we're talking about it, you know, throughout that week uh, in between uh, the episodes being aired. Yeah, we we all get really into it, and so many people do as well. I think the theories just bring another layer to the show, and a lot of the time, yeah. none of those things ever happen. But it's just part of the the fun and the experience, really. You know, just speculating after each episode, yeah. going, "Oh, she's not actually dead, surely." Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was such a My gear change. We all just didn't. I think we all underestimated Faisal as a character. We thought he was in yeah. over his head, yeah. and then all of a sudden, he just turns into this murderer. And then he's cool, calm, and yeah. connected. Then when he's you know, Rob's bumping <laughs> into him in the car and he's like, not a bother on him. Oh, full Walter White in that car scene, I thought. My yeah. favourite quote from your uh, episode, um, one of your podcast episodes was, um, 
uh, Faisal's a bastard. He needs to get caught. I don't know who said that, <laughs> but it, was, it just came out, and I thought that's brilliant. Faisal's a bastard. And he needs to get caught. Where is the lie? Oh my god! <laughs> um, yeah, Amit, what yeah. was it like working with uh, Sally Wainwright and Sarah Lancashire? So Sally, oh god, I, I love Sally. Uh, in fact, I think I'm in love with Sally. Possibly, <laughs> I I didn't meet her until we were shooting. Um, the scene in the cafe where Joanna comes in and I'm eating a sandwich and she asks me for help and she has this idea that she wants to kill Rob. And um, all of a sudden, you know, Sally just turned up and I didn't know that she was going to be there. We, we all thought that she was busy on a different project, but she'd come in and she was watching the rehearsal and it was great. And um, she... She's very unassuming. You know, did, did you all know that she used to drive buses in London? Like, no. She's just a, a like I'm a regular. with us. This is amazing. I saw this um, in an interview once <laughs> that before she became a writer, she'd moved down to London. She uh, was trying to get her scripts out to different agencies and um, companies, but um, she didn't have any, you know, success with that. So. She had to earn some money, so she started driving buses for about 18 months. And that's, that's just mind-blowing. Um, Iconic. Yeah, exactly. And um, she just feels like this regular person, um, very grounded, very approachable. And um, she's all about the work. And she's a perfectionist. And you come to set and you don't feel under pressure, but you feel a responsibility to bring that level of perfectionism or professionalism, whatever you want to call it. And, and you feel like you owe it to her because she's written this beautiful script. Uh, and, and I know it's dark and um, brutal, but if you look at the structure of her writing and, and how she l writes dialogue and... Um, how, how clever she is with references and intertwining different storylines and creating tension and drama and building on that. And, you know, within her scene, there are so many different um, amazing gear shifts. And, which, and with each gear shift as an audience, I feel like we're pulled in further and further. And I, I heard you guys... We're dis discussing on BBC Breakfast, you know, what you like to eat whilst you're watching Happy Valley episodes. And I can't do that. I can't eat or drink or, or do anything else because if I do glance away from the screen, I'm going to miss some vital information. So I need to be in a quiet room just watching this episode, not thinking about anything else. And every moment is so vital. And... That's really good TV. So I, for that reason, I am in love with Sally Wainwright. She's just a genius. And she has so many different superpowers as a, as a writer and a creator. And from an actor's perspective, being able to work on dialogue. And, and I, I really stress that it's dialogue. It's not... If you feel when she's written it, she said it out loud. So she's understood how it 
is spoken and the rhythms and the pace and she understands when people interject and when people overlap uh, false endings and so yeah if you're thinking about uh, dialogue in a technical sense she she writes good natural dialogue that it, our ears just want to tune into um, sometimes when you presented with writing you get a sense that the writer or whoever it is has presented it to you has not really heard it out loud or, or spoken out loud and it and it jars a bit because you have to work very very hard to make it feel like dialogue uh, and something that will come out of your mouth that you you speak so yeah. this is one of Sally's superpowers, I would say. Every scene does feel so real between the characters. You feel like you know each and every one of them. You mentioned there that you do enjoy watching Happy Valley in a quiet room alone, but how did you experience the finale? Did you know what was going to happen? Did you watch it by yourself? Did you have a viewing party? Uh, so yeah, again, it was my partner and I. Um, she and I were watching at home on the big screen. Um, did I know? Okay, so I should clear everything up for you. you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, my final scenes, the, the dialogue was the same, the scene was the same, but on the day I was asked to um, play the scene in a different way, uh, different interpretations, I was given different direction. And I didn't know in the edit room which one they would choose. So I was in the dark in that sense. Um, with regards to the overall ending, scenes that I was not involved in, or Faisal was not involved in, those scenes were never shown to me. Uh, and I guess other cast members never saw those scenes either if they weren't in that specific scene. So in that sense, I was also in the dark um, and therefore able and I guess, I guess the production company didn't want to put other cast members under that pressure, you know, uh, if they were asked for spoilers. Um, I'm not sure, but it, it felt like um, they had a very specific way of doing it and, and we all respected that. And so when I was watching the final episode uh, and those final scenes, uh, the overall ending, I was watching like one of you, a, a, an audience member, and going through all the emotions that you guys were going through, I guess. I love that. It makes it so real. And was there any Faisal scenes, apart from the ones that you're talking about, the ones that you shot slightly differently that didn't make the cut? Yeah, I, we shot them differently, and it was just the direction I was given. But um, I don't think so. All, all the scenes that I uh, filmed were included. I think it... Yeah, I, I, not that I can remember. Um, so, yeah, it, it was uh, as, as it was written, really. Um, what do you think happened to Faisal? Do you think that he will go down for Joanna's death? When I was watching it, I, I, yeah, I must admit that's what they implied, I guess, because you see um, Sarah's character very clearly say my mm -hmm. name, and then you see the look on her, uh, her boss's face as if to say, oh, this is a great lead mm. and I'm going to go and follow that up right now. Um, uh, and yeah, I think that, that missing link of um, 
is it Alison Gar's ca- yeah, character? Yeah. Her uh, probation officer has almost landed Faisal in it. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I don't know if, <laughs> yeah, if we were to hypothetically talk about what would happen afterwards, I, 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 it, it, I was led to believe that yes, he would be investigated and possibly caught because I don't. Yeah, maybe he hasn't covered up all his tracks. You know, he was. We saw in episode one that Ezra. Um, came in, the, you know, Ezra, who's played that addict, came in and he he gave me money and I exchanged it with more drugs and you wonder how many people he was doing that yeah. with and whether he's covered his tracks. Um, because he's not used to this world. He, he's not a slick drug-dealing kingpin and uh, he's probably made mistakes. I, I did see um, here that people thought when I came into Joanna's house in episode three and I was wearing those shoe covers and I come in and, and yes. put the, the plastic gloves in, some people said that I uh, closed the door with my hand. Now, I watched this bag yesterday and I didn't do that. And I took a screen grab. I actually closed it with... Uh, the outside of my arm, which was covered by the coat. And you can see my hand is free. Oh, we need to brush up on our detective skills. That's so, how we thought you were going down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he never actually touches the door with his fingers. It, I, and I, I remember on the day, I, I was being advised by the producers. And the, I think there was a police consult, consultant there as well. And w- if ever I did touch... <laughs> any surface with my hands um, or my shoes they said oh no you have to be careful there you put, put the shoe covers on as you're coming in don't allow your your uh, feet to kind of hit the carpet um, don't touch anything until you have the gloves on so yeah we were very much aware of that um, uh, so that was very real in that sense Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you for clearing that up now, because we were like, oh, he's going to get caught. There's going to be a fingerprint in that door. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, also with the uh, the uh, packaging, uh, the blister pack, and mm-hmm. I, I, I had to look back and oh, I don't know whether I did, but um, whether the, the one that Rob found was in the blister pack, I can't remember. But yeah, it um, was, if it yeah. was, then. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Right. Well, there you go. Brendan yeah. went back and checked. Um, and finally, Amit, what are you working on next? Um, thank you for speaking to me on a Sunday because um, during the week I'm in rehearsals for a play. It's called Hummingbird and it's at the Vault Festival, uh, which is in London. Uh, we're performing for about a week uh, at the start of March and it's a beautiful comedy drama about the ownership of grief Um it's about this couple, uh, Brian and Jude, a married couple in their 30s. They inherit a dairy farm. And um, at the beginning of the play, Jude's sister returns to the farm uh, after being away for a year because she's been in search of her partner who's been missing. And the partner just happens to be my childhood friend. And her arrival causes a lot of disruption and... Um, it's a really funny and poignant play that's written by Chris Neils. And I, have you ever heard of um, uh, the play that goes wrong? Yeah, I've heard yeah, of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
So one of the original members of that is um, uh, Nancy Zamet, and she plays Jude, my wife. And there's another actor in it Brilliant. called uh, Louise Beresford, who has worked for that company uh, as well. So I'm rehearsing for that. And then I have a film coming out in October called uh, uh, Pain Hustlers. Uh, which is with Emily Blunt, Chris Evans, Andy Garcia, Catherine O'Hara. And that's, yeah, that's out in October, I believe, this year. Amazing. So if people want to get tickets to see you in the play, can they do it? Do you want to plug it? Yes. So I think they just need to uh, look up uh, the Vault Festival and the play's called Hummingbird. We start performances on the 28th of February and it goes on until the 5th of March. Yeah, please come and see it. It's, it's a beautiful play and I, I really think, um, yeah, everyone will get something out of it. Um, but yeah, for now, yeah, talking about Happy Valleys, <laughs> my, um, it's kind of taken up a lot of my time and in doing interviews like this and I'm incredibly nervous doing them. I, I hate talking about stuff as myself. You know, give me a, a script and a character and I'm fine, but... Yeah, but it's been a joy to talk An to you. An absolute pleasure, uh, Amish. Thank you so much for talking to us this morning. And uh, best of luck with the, the play and the movie as well. Is it a, a cinema release or is it one of the streamers? It will be, I think, streamed on Netflix. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe they will have a cinema release. They haven't informed anyone yet, but it will definitely be yeah, released online, well, on Netflix uh, in October. So that's exciting. Yeah, we filmed it in Atlanta, Georgia. So Amazing. Is, yeah. Okay, we're definitely going to keep a lookout for those. And guys, if you want to see Amit live, check out uh, Hummingbird and those tickets that are out now. Yes, yeah, you can buy tickets oh. now at the Vault Festival website, yeah. Amazing, Amit. Thank you so much for coming on Trying Podcast. Happy Valley with us this morning. It was a real joy to talk to you. And Thanks. it's great to meet you guys I, I, and real fr- fans of the show. <laughs> I saw you guys on BBC Breakfast and I thought you guys Amit. were just so... Re- likable and and uh, endearing and uh i loved your little stories of you know finding a lunch place after and just being on like a complete high so um yeah please continue doing the great work you're doing shrine podcasts presents happy valley you will know our next guest from her roles in Sorry, don't know what the fuck that was. The computer's like, please restart me. Sorry, you wait a Oh my gosh. <laughs> you will know our next guest for her roles in incredible, t- not staying in, in incredible TV shows like Love, Hate, The Capture and Peaky Blinders. But today she is here to talk about playing Anne Gallagher in Happy Valley. Charlie Murphy, welcome to Shrine Podcast. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, thanks for chatting to us. And um, for the purposes of this interview, I did obviously have a look at your Wikipedia page, the best place to do all research. And I love that somebody has put a line in saying that you are the daughter of hair salon owners, Pat and Brenda. <laughs> That's so creepy that someone would know it, that and put it in. It <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They don't have a salon anymore. But uh, yeah, my parents are Pat and Brenda. And you know my sister. Brandon, yes, I do. Don't you? I was in college with your sister and I stayed with Pat and Brenda <laughs> one summer and they were fantastic hosts. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's oh gas. Oh my God, that's gas. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, Charlie, let's go back to the start for a moment. You had to do some improv sure. while you were filming your self-tape audition for Happy Valley. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Set up a, a, like my own studio. Um, which I think everyone's pretty used to doing now, but it was kind of the, one of the very first tapes. 
um, that I ever did, I think. And kind of people around me were just kind of getting to to grips with the kind of whole, I don't know, the language of it and what how to light yourself and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I was away while I was doing it. And, uh, yeah, lots of um, robbing lamps and just improvising and trying to just, I don't know, make it some sort of a possible, possible kind of, um, I don't know, offering. And Charlie, do you remember, now it was so long ago, probably at this age we're talking 10 years, but do you remember getting the call to say that you'd got the role? Yeah, I do. I, I was in, I had moved over to London. I was living in a tiny little uh, apartment uh, in Crystal Palace and I was just in my bedroom, just unemployed and, you know, <laughs> scared about what was next. And yeah, and that call came through and I was just so, so excited. And then I said on the call, I was like, did um, did James get cast as well? And like, obviously, looking back, it's such a long shot that two people would be like, you know, helping each other with their tapes or whatever. And then they both get cast in the same thing. You know, it's like so many people go for these things, but it happened. And it was, yeah, it was amazing. I think that's uh, great, particularly because you had to shoot such traumatic scenes together to have someone that you had an already built relationship with must have made such a difference. It really, really did. And we were able to say, oh, we can go more. Oh, we can push this. Or, you know, I think I, I, I haven't seen it in years, so I don't even know if it's in the shop, but I remember the day. Um, I It was just before, oh God, what? It was like series one and it was, uh, I'd been kidnapped and I was in the cellar just before I was moved to another location, if that's my memory serves me. And um I was like, James, it's okay for you like to spit in my face, to be really cruel and horrible. And he's like, you sure? And I was like, yeah, go on, just, just give it a go. Um, but I don't know, um, had that been, you know, another dynamic where we probably didn't have time to build up a kind of friendship or whatever, that we would have had that kind of, I don't know, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know if we, we would have done that, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, as you say, obviously, you know, a lot of the subject matter, particularly in season one for you, it, it was dark. It was really bloody grim. Uh, did yourself and James, any of the other cast, get up to like a bit of mischief kind of on set to sort of balance it out? Yes, we definitely did. We were always messing. We Like we were in some random places, um, derelict houses and, you know, um, our green rooms sometimes would be just... Um, an old farmhouse that hadn't been used or something like that. So we were just, and there was a lot of waiting around as well. So we were just like, I don't know, trying to scare each other all the time. And I wish I, I have an iPad somewhere, probably back in Ireland, with loads of videos of it of that time. And if I and if I ever get back home to, to have a look, I will. I'm going to have a look and see if I can find those because, yeah, it was good. Like real slapstick, innocent stuff in comparison to what we were doing on screen. Uh, Charlie, Anne's speech to Ryan in the kitchen was jaw-droppingly good in episode five. How do scenes like that affect you? I think from a, a basic level of just as an actor getting, getting given that opportunity, you know, you get that kind of monologue and you, you don't want to, just very basically, you don't want to screw it up. You don't want anyone to regret giving you that opportunity. But on the day, um, doing it with, with Reese, he's such a He's such a gorgeous actor and he just really listens to you. And um, we did, Fer Fergus is amazing as well. We did some takes on a turnaround for for Reese's shots where um, 
we improvised some stuff to kind of because I they, they turned they rolled the camera on me first, which is normally what happens if you've got the chunk of you know the meat of the scene. You you get that you get that in the bones, and and then you can turn around when you when you know you have it. So we did that, and then so Reese Reese is just so patient. He heard he you know, heard it a couple of times, and then um, Fergus and I um, kind of said, okay, I'm just gonna change it up a little bit and just kind of like describe what happened in some of series one um just change the language slightly for uh for reese's reaction and his reactions were incredible we didn't even need to do that actually in the end but um yeah he was amazing i felt like so happy with that day it was um kind of everything everything kind of fell into place and that scene is the last scene in which we see Anne Gallagher. You're not actually yeah. in the final episode. So when did you find out about that decision? Can you tell us how you felt about it? And did you watch the finale with everyone else? Because we know that the script was redacted for people that weren't in that yeah. scene. Yeah, I watched it along with everyone else, like a, just an audience member. And it was so much fun. I mean, like harrowing and terribly sad, but yeah, just brilliant, brilliant to watch in that not know what's coming next which is great uh, we got a good chunk of the a uh, good chunk of the um the, that last episode and i think from memory of previous drafts there was stuff we were in some kind of police bits and bobs that had been like pulled to earlier episodes and stuff like that so i think there was a point where we were at times in all in an episode six but sometimes in the edit just you got to go with what's more powerful and what what you need the audience to see more than than other things and and i think she just did an incredible job of doing that uh, what do you think Anne gallagher would have said uh the moment she found out that tommy lee royce was dead oh god <laughs> i don't think she would have said anything i don't think she would have like given him any more of her words you know I think she would have probably gone out the garden to have a few more cigarettes and then, <laughs> I don't know, tried to straighten herself out. And, and I, I, I think, I think had it gone on more and more, I think she probably would have seen that he, he was stealing from her now so that she, you know, to try and start focusing back on her work again and, and, you know, the sources of stuff that brings her joy rather than stew. I mean, that's what I would love for her. her but um, yeah, because she was getting quite gnarly there in the end, wasn't she? <laughs> We were hoping that um, Anne would be the person to say revenge is a dish best served cold. We were hoping Anne would have that moment oh with um, and like get and have two guns and shoot them up in the air in slow motion, <laughs> <Dubs> flying. <laughs> yes, um, Charlie. Do the cast of Happy Valley have a WhatsApp group together? And if so, what's it called? <laughs> no, we don't, but we should. Even just to come up with names. Yeah. No, we don't. We don't. I don't know. The Hebden Bridge Hussies. I don't know what we call ourselves. <laughs> you thought about that fairly quickly. You've thought about I'm, it. Well, I gave myself a sentence of talking shite to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, no, no, but we, we would do, we would there. Yeah, there's uh, some cast members like I would text and stuff now or, you know, keeping in contact with online, that kind of thing. And just such a lovely guy. Just not, you know, uh, over the years as well. And like, oh, I'm just coming back to it after such a long time. It's it's so it was so lovely because people are commenting on like a time capsule of like seven or eight years ago. And 
I remember I was like buying a boat and trying to like do continuous cruising in London and, you know, living off the grid as an actor in London and just like all the kind of, I don't know, stereotypical things you do. Charlie, I have to ask you to cast your mind back because I was an absolutely massive fan of Love Hate. That's where I first discovered oh. you and your wonderful character, Siobhan. Can you tell us what it was like shooting that show that went on to such critical acclaim? Oh my God. I still get emotional about like my fondness of that show. I just so, so still feel so retrospectively like lucky that I, that I, I got to do that show. It was kind of straight out of college. It was supposed to be three days. Uh, we're supposed to be, sorry, I have a little puppy here sleeping beside me and there's a, oh, I can see a post lady coming on the door. <laughs> uh, his name is Buddy. He's still asleep. His name is Buddy. He's 10 months old and he's like a border terrier poodle. Oh, Adorable. Um, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, he's a cutie. Um, but yeah, what was I saying? Um, yeah, just, just coming out of college, it was supposed to be three days. I was supposed to be, you know, um, someone's niece in a bar and, and then it kind of just grew from there. And it was just just so much fun. And again, to come back to it every year was so special over five years. And that, like, I learned so much from that, like learning on the job, especially with um, Tom Von Lawler, who's just a master. Just incredible to watch. And sometimes I'd be in scenes with Tom and I'd forget. <laughs> I'd be just looking at him acting, going, oh shit, I have things to say here. <laughs> excellent um how much do you plan out your career like have you sat down to map your road to winning an oscar or to whatever that that ultimate <laughs> goal is like do you, is there a plan i mean all i mean i love to say there is a plan but there's not really a plan it's <laughs> not really a plan i just kind of like trying to chase the good the good scripts and like getting scripts like when half Valley came in like you remember those moments where you get you you say oh there's like a tape coming in and you you you, you just flick through or whatever and you're like okay that's yeah okay I'll tape for that or I'll, I'll meet for that and, and it mightn't be you know it mightn't really catch you and then there's moments where scripts like Jerk Carlin writes and 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 you know um Sally Wainwright right and you you are you I'm already panicking about not being able to get in the door for them even though I've been invited to audition you know or meet or whatever so it's just chasing the good writing is kind of the main thing for me. Fergus O'Brien was on the podcast with us last week and he told us that he'd love to work with you again. And um, so we're wondering, do you have a dream role that you'd love to play? Or is there a certain TV show that you watch that you enjoy that you're like, oh, I'd love to act in that? Uh, there are so many things that I want to be in. <laughs> I'm <laughs> such a TV junkie. I was watching something yesterday. Uh, um, I don't know if you guys you guys have seen it. Everybody, every, everybody else burns. Oh, no, no, I haven't heard about it. Yet. Burns. It's on Channel 4. Kato Flynn. Flynn and Simon Bird. And it, it is the funniest, darkest, just kind of perfect, kind of easy TV. And, and so clever as well. Um, but it's basically, I mean, to really vaguely sum it up, it's about this kind of overzealous Christian family living in some cul-de-sac in Manchester. And they're like practicing for the end times. And that's just kind of. That's it, really. But uh, it's just fantastic. It's just so, so I'd love to do some kind of weird and wonderful stuff like that. But then there's the big hitters like Succession. I mean, can you imagine being on set of Succession and just getting those rolling 
insane scenes to do with like some incredible heavyweight actors stuff like that so many of my and our favorite shows we loved the capture last year big love hate fans massive happy valley fans and you were also in peaky blinders as jesse eden um it's your character it's your character return in the movie oh god uh not that i know (laughs) but getting to work with killian is such a dream that's like another tick going oh my god that's incredible i don't know if you've ever seen him on stage he is insane on stage um do he mainly kind of does and walsh's plays on stage and he, i'm just such a big fan yeah and actually i just got an email there at the national theater you know that they do the the recorded feed so you can watch something so killian's mr man is available now if you want to watch it and it's like i saw it i don't know it was about 10 years ago just life changing for for an actor just this incredible kind of dexterity for a one-man show just amazing uh, Charlie, as Hannah mentioned there, you were obviously also in season two of The Capture, which we loved. It was honestly one of our favourite shows of last year. I certainly came late to it. I don't know about the guys, but watched it kind of all in one go. Um, any word on the third season of The Capture? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I, I kind of know, well, like, you, you, I, I came late to it as well, actually. So I binged um, when I was um, going for it. God, I'm exactly a poor lass. Um, but I think kind of their formula is to follow a certain case isn't it so so i'm not i'm not sure about that charlie obviously yourself and sarah lancashire's character Anne and catherine had such a bond in happy valley um what was it like working alongside her over the years horrible she's a horrible horrible person no she's not she's amazing (laughs) she's amazing she's so much fun like from the table read to the hanging out at, at unit base, hanging out in our trailers, just so much fun to be around her and Siobhan Finnan really, really made the show for me. And the continuity of that over the years, just amazing. You kind of just pick up where you left off, which is just so, so lovely. And we just have so much fun at unit base, kind of drilling lines and then just pockets of, okay, so what happened with this person? And then are you still with that person? No, no, I kicked him. He's long gone, that kind of thing. So it's like always just chatting, chatting, chatting right up until take sometimes, which is, um, which is really good fun. Charlie, just before we let you go, tell us, what are you working on now? What's next for you? Where can we see you? I am on my second season of uh, a show called Halo for Paramount Plus with uh, Pablo Schreiber and Natasha McElhone. So we're shooting that in Budapest. So I've kind of been living between Budapest and the UK for the last um, <clears throat> couple of months. Um, so we're doing that. But that's nearly wrapping. And um, I've got a show uh, coming out um, uh, with Richard Armitage um, in the next couple of months uh, on Netflix called Obsession, which is a very dark, adulterous, fun kind of four-parter. Oh, it sounds amazing. Obsession. We're going to keep an eye out for that one. Charlie Murphy, <laughs> thank you so much for your amazing portrayal of Anne Gallagher. And thank you so much for joining us on Shrine Podcast today. Thank you so much to you guys. It's been a blast. Thank you. Shrine Podcast presents Happy Valley. <laughs> Ta-ta! Ta-ta! <laughs> 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 sorry just for reference we are updating a live google doc as we speak i feel like people don't understand what's going on brendan keeps slicing to bits a google doc we have of who's saying what and it's a live update and we feel like we're doing a crazy teleprompter
It's the year 2023 and we find, we were just <laughs> congratulating ourselves on our podcasting setup and the revelation of it has been using a live Google Doc. We are beside ourselves with the fact that we can type in real time. But Brendan's gone a bit far with it. Okay, guys, we it's time to wrap it up. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Shrine Podcast Happy Valley. What a fun couple of months it's been. I feel like I poured my heart out in our last episode about how much all of this is meant to us. It's been absolutely incredible. It's devastating to say such a final goodbye to all the characters we've come to love. But how amazing was it that we managed to get four of them on the show to talk to us? We're really, really thrilled with that. And we will be back soon with another we have series. Had a ball. Um, if there is a series coming up that you know we'd love, we would love to hear from you. You can tell us all about it at ShrinePod on Twitter, Instagram and the TikTok. And you can email us ShrinePod at gmail.com. Thank you so much to Charlie, to Carl, to Amit and to Derek all for talking to us on Shrine Podcast. We really appreciate their time. Uh, and all that there is left to say for now is ta-ta and telephone. You get me. <laughs> telephone. Bye, you bye. get me. Telephone. All right, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> this is TV worth talking about. This is Shrine Podcasts. 